The world is getting hotter, the ice is melting, and sea levels are rising, and we still have problems with energy. Hello, this is Anthony Day, and welcome to this week's edition of the Sustainable Futures Show. Last week I spoke about Hinkley C, the new nuclear power station, which will now be delayed beyond 2023, although EDF are unable to say when it will actually start production. This week, Lord Turnbull, a former permanent secretary to the Treasury, described it as a big white elephant and a bottomless pit. Have you got that image clearly in mind? A big white elephant and a bottomless pit. George Osborne doesn't agree. And he says that without Hinkley C, there will be an enormous gap in our electricity supply. No doubt of that. But is a new nuclear station the answer? We certainly can't wait until 2023, and if we do, we've now been told that the station won't be ready anyway. However, George has been to China to urge them to invest in the project. There should be a decision later this month. There's been concern about the high guaranteed price of electricity from Hinkley C. My newspaper this week said that the government was going to pay £92 per kilowatt hour for the station's output. £92. That's going to make a very expensive cup of tea. NASA has recently revealed that sea levels will rise by a metre over the next 100 to 200 years, as satellite images show large sections of Greenland and Antarctica are vanishing at a much faster rate than previously thought. Sea level rise isn't just a problem for coastal cities, it's a problem for NASA itself. Two-thirds of the Space Agency's infrastructure, including the Kennedy Space Centre, the Ames Research Centre and the Johnson Space Centre, stand between 2 and 12 metres above mean sea level. By the end of the century, billions of dollars of NASA assets could be underwater. Global mean sea level has risen 20 centimetres since 1870, and the rate of rise has doubled over the past few decades. Since 1992, the world's oceans have risen by almost 8 centimetres, and in some places by as much as 23 centimetres. The average annual increase is now 3.21 millimetres. Sea level rise is caused primarily by two factors related to global warming, the added water from melting land ice and the expansion of seawater as it warms, but most of this extra water has come from melting ice and glaciers. According to NASA, the Greenland ice sheet has caused the most concern, shedding around 303 gigatons of ice a year over the past decade. The Antarctic ice sheet has lost an average of 118 gigatons per year. In a bid to prepare the world for this impending doom, NASA has embarked on a new oceans-melting Greenland mission that will map the entire 1.7 million square kilometre Greenland ice sheet. The question scientists are grappling with is how quickly seas will rise. Given what we know now about how the ocean expands as it warms, and how ice sheets and glaciers are adding water to the seas, it's pretty certain we are locked into at least a metre of sea level rise, and probably more, said Steve Nerham, 
of the University of Colorado Boulder and lead of the sea level change team. But we don't know whether it will happen within a century or somewhat longer. In 2013, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change issued an assessment based on a consensus of international researchers that stated global sea levels would probably rise from 300 millimetres to 900 millimetres by the end of the century. According to Nerum, new research available since this report suggests the higher end of that range is more likely, and the question remains how that range might shift upward. For some very clear explanations and animations of climate change, go to climate.nasa.gov slash Earth Minute. Meanwhile, there are reports from Stanford University that sea levels might not rise as high as previously estimated. Researchers discovered this after taking another look at climate change long ago in the Middle Pliocene era and how those conditions combined with concentrations of atmospheric carbon dioxide. They found that sea levels then, roughly three million years ago, might not have risen quite as much as thought, and therefore might not rise as much in the near future. According to their press release, previous studies using oxygen isotope records estimated that Pliocene sea levels were between 25 and 30 metres higher than at present. But using a different technique, the researchers decided to recalculate the levels and found that they were only 10 to 15 metres higher. However, they cautioned that this would still be enough to cover Miami, New Orleans and New York City and threaten areas of San Francisco. Cold comfort. In Australia, the home of climate scepticism, the Sydney Morning Herald reports that Australia's favourite beaches are at risk of disappearing into the sea as global warming drives sea levels ever higher prompting a betting agency to start offering odds on which beaches are likely to vanish first. Palm Cove in far north Queensland is 4-1 to one favourite to be the first to go. Bondi Beach comes in at 21-1. to one. Australia is particularly vulnerable to sea level rise because the vast majority of the population is concentrated at the coast. In the US, NASA reports that 5 million Americans live within one point three metres, that's four feet, of the high tide level. On the face of it, a rise of three millimetres a year or 30 millimetres per decade looks pretty small. The key danger is when a high tide coincides with a storm surge. That increased water level spread over a wide area of sea can amount to thousands, if not millions, of tonnes of extra water. Driven inland by a storm, that water can not only destroy lives and property, but the salt in the water can render the soil infertile, driving the population away. Not everyone believes the scientists, of course. One such is Michael D. Brown, the former Federal Emergency Management Agency director, who resigned in disgrace after criticisms of how he handled the consequences of Hurricane Katrina. In an interview with thinkprogress.org about his post-Katrina life, Brown got into his controversial stance on climate change, namely his opinion that it's not a human-caused problem or a big deal. Brown 
did concede that the climate was changing, but he wouldn't acknowledge that humans had much to do with it. I believe that any effect that man has on climate change is de minimis, he said. But I do believe that as the climate changes, which it invariably will, that we learn how to mitigate against climate change. This rhetoric is a sort of trend among conservatives right now. It's become obviously ridiculous to say that climate change isn't happening at all, even though there are a few high-profile US politicians who still do it. Instead, the cool thing now is to acknowledge things like our warming oceans, sea level rise, more intense droughts, but to doubt how much carbon emissions play a role. That way, politicians can say they have solutions to climate change, but only in the form of adaptation to these effects. No efforts, however, to stop these effects from happening. I suppose, and I don't believe this, that if sea levels are rising, instead of lowering the sea level, we ought to figure out ways to mitigate and build better structures that will mitigate the effects of rising sea levels, said Brown. On the other side of the world, officials take a very different view. At an event in Bahrain entitled Media Awareness Raising and Capacity Building on Energy, Climate Change and the Road to Paris, Susan Aljawawi, the Supreme Council for Environment Policies and Planning Head, warned that an expected rise in sea level caused by climate change would submerge many of Bahrain's low-lying coastal areas. The workshop, which was opened by Energy Minister Dr. Abul Hussein Mirza, aimed to promote knowledge exchange on issues related to energy and climate. One of the major impacts of climate change that could happen in Bahrain is sea level rise, said Ms. Al-Ajawi. By conducting a modelling study on Bahrain's climate, we found that some part of the country's southern areas could be covered in water if the sea level rose 0.2 metres. We also found that if the sea level arose 0.5 metres, then around 18-20% to 20 of the southern coastal areas will be covered in water. This is gradually happening in Bahrain and other countries as long as there is no mechanism that can reduce emissions so as to hold the increase in global temperatures below 2 degrees. The impacts are unstoppable, but countries across the globe have to adapt to the change by reducing emissions and use of energy, she said. The most serious impacts of sea level rise would be in Egypt, Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, Kuwait, Qatar, Bahrain and the UAE. If sea level rises in future is predicted, extensive parts of the Gulf coastal areas will be submerged. It's a bit ironic, isn't it? Many of these places are rich in fossil fuels. If they stop exploiting them, their economies will collapse. If they continue to exploit them, they will sink beneath the waves. I commented in March on a report in the Carbon Brief, that's carbonbrief.org, about climate change in Syria. Syria sits in a band of relatively moist and productive land in the Middle East, known as the Fertile Crescent. But between 2006 and 2010, the region was hit by the worst multi-year drought since 1940. Syria gets almost all of its rain during its six-month winter, from November to April. In 2007-8, winter rainfall across Syria fell by a third, with some areas receiving no rain at all. The winter was the driest in the observed record, the researchers say. 
The result of this has been that crops have failed and livestock died. Farmers have had to abandon their land and make for the cities. This alone has not been the cause of the war in Syria, but it has increased tension in the cities overwhelmed by these farmers and others fleeing from war. So what can be done about all this? According to rtcc.org, Responding to Climate Change, over the past few months, heads of state, civil society leaders and the UN Secretary-General have all voiced concerns that talks on a global climate deal are moving too slowly. Ban Ki-moon memorably told a high-level meeting in New York this June that he was concerned at the snail's pace of discussions and warned time was running out. It's not a view shared by those running the talks, as Algerian diplomat Ahmed Joglaf, one of the officials guiding the process, made clear recently. I think Ban Ki-moon is not with us. When you are on the 38th floor in New York, you don't see what's going on in the basement, he said pointedly. For us, what we're seeing, we're making progress, and we are convinced, even with this snail's pace, we will be on time on the 28th of November. There is no doubt about it. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who knows? Everyone is looking towards COP21, the summit in Paris in December. Will we finally have a binding climate agreement? A true successor to Kyoto? It all depends on getting the detail hammered out in advance. COP21 will be more of a ratification session than an opportunity to design an agreement from scratch. Finally, if you spend August in the UK you may find it hard to believe that 2015 is on track to be the warmest year on record. However, that's the news. Even with nearly four months to go, scientists are already saying that 2015 is the hottest yet on a global average. An article in Scientific American reports that the global temperature data compiled separately by NASA, NOAA and the Japan Meteorological Agency shows that this July was the warmest July on record going back more than a century. It follows three other warmest months this year, with the remaining months ranking among the top four hottest, meaning that 2015 is indeed the warmest year to date. With an El Nino that could rank amongst the strongest on record and expected to last throughout the rest of the year, the odds are good that 2015 will surpass 2014 at the top of the charts. We are now fairly certain that 2015 will be the warmest year on record for the globe, said Jake Grouch an NOAA climatologist. And heat means energy. Energy to drive storms and floods. And energy to dry out the land, devastate crops and whip up forest fires. Future years are expected to be hotter. For the moment, this is Anthony Day and that was the Sustainable Futures Show. Thank you once again for listening and there'll be more next week.